and gentlemen, welcome back to Full Steam Ahead. We got a little bit of a happier episode for you guys this time. <laughs> feeling feeling a lot better after game two than we did feeling after game one. Uh, game two, Astros get the win, uh, five to two. Uh, even the series headed back to Philly. We got an off day today, Sunday for the travel. And game three of the World Series will be Monday night. We are here. We're going to break down that game two win, including an incredible start by Framber uh, and a big blast from Bregman. Uh, then we'll also preview game three with Lance McCullers Jr. on the mound versus Noah Syndergaard. So let's go ahead and, and get right into it. Lorenzo, you were at the game. You were yelling loud. Tell us, what was the uh, what was the atmosphere like in Minute Maid? You know, we saw people, you know, that Phillies newscaster guy talking a mess about the environment. <laughs> but what did you think about the Game 2 atmosphere in Minute Maid? Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. I think it was better than it was. I, don't, I mean, I wasn't live for the first game. Obviously, the energy kind of, like, slowed down because of the whole situational with Verlander blowing it. But... I mean, this game, it looked everything was positive. Framber got out of that first inning, and next thing you know, the offense kind of exploded. Uh, um, I mean, it was loud after that. It was very energetic. Everybody was into it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw anything like a Twitter surface around with people's Apple Watches. I mean, they were showing like 110, like, I don't know, something like that with the loud effectiveness and around the building. So, I mean, that was a positive sign, too, to see stuff like that. But more, yeah. I mean, more people, you know, where I was at, more people were into the game, um, standing up on two strikes and two outs with Framber, you know, trying to get the strikeout or Jose Altuve coming up to the plate. And, you know, with him slumping in the mix throughout the whole postseason, look what he did, you know, today or really yesterday. So, I mean, crowd overall, it was it was really good. I mean, Probably better than the ALCS and the ALDS, I would say, especially for a World Series game. You you better you best believe if you're spending all that money, your ass better be up cheering for your team, waving them towels. So, um, but yeah, uh, great game. Glad the series is tied. I mean, that's the biggest thing coming out of this. Yeah, you know, like we like we said yesterday. I mean, I think this was as much of a must-win game as you could have for a game two. Uh, obviously, like if we had gone down 0-2, it's not the end of the world, but you really did not want to go down 0-2 in this series as it shifts to Philadelphia. Uh, but by splitting this, splitting the home set, I think you got to feel good about the Astros going into the rest of the series. I mean, this is now a five-game series. Yeah. Uh, it's a five-game series where the Astros' pitching advantage is even more defined, I would say, than it was previously. And if it's a five-game series, we don't have home field advantage, which might be a good thing. <laughs> uh, from from here on out, honestly. Um, but let's just go ahead and get into this game. I think you got to you got to lead with Framber, man. You know, oh I, one night after one night after JV's meltdown, uh, Framber comes out and he does ace things. Like he is um, every bit of that all star we've seen him become over the course of this year. He was every bit of the Cy Young vote getter that he's going to be, uh, and he he was pretty much fantastic all night long. He went six and a third inning pitched, gave up four hits, one earned run, three walks, and nine strikeouts. And that earned run is actually an inherited run to Montero, uh, inherited runner that Montero uh, got in after Framber was pulled in the seventh. But it was exactly the outing that we needed from Framber. Didn't have to go to the bullpen early. Kept the bats at bay. And, you know, I, I, I said yesterday, you know, expect two or three runs from Framber. But, no, he one mm -hmm. run. You know, it, he really – uh, kept that Philly lineup uh, in, in line. 
Harper went 0 for 4 last night between Framber and the bullpen. I mean, that's huge. Um, just just kept him at bay. And, he, I mean, he just – he looked great. He was firing on all cylinders. And that was that was just what the doctor ordered for the Astros starting pitching in game two. Yeah, I mean, we really needed that, especially from, you know, having that horrendous game that Verlander had pitched and, you know, with the five-run lead and everything like that. We needed something, you know, somebody to step up and – you know, Framber has been that guy really throughout the whole season. Um, you know, that ALDS, you know, game one, Verlander again did not have his stuff. Who comes into game two and shuts it down? Framber does it again. He only gave up, I believe, two earned runs that game. But I mean, it was crucial because that kind of changed the whole momentum going into Seattle with yeah. how the offense was doing. Pitching looked great. We didn't have to use that many bullpen arms and situations as well. So you know, Framber did it again right here in the World Series, the biggest stage of them all. And then from everybody, you know, with the BS of substances and, oh, well, he keeps going to the hand. Come Ridiculous. on now. It's dumb. I mean, these guys Which get time? checked every time. Every time they get checked well, and, when they go back the to the dugout as well. Here's the thing. Somebody explain this to me. If something is so sticky that it's that massively impacting his – his spin rates, then how is it so easy for him to just wipe off and hide on the side of his pants? Exactly. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, if, if there was something that was really that effective, there's no way he'd be able to hide it so easily. Like, and 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 you really you really think that if Frumber was cheating, he would be so brazen and, like, like obvious about rubbing his hand? Like, we've mm-hmm. seen him do this. And they asked Rob Thompson, they asked him in the post game, and he said – he was like, yeah, like we saw it and the umpires were checking. We've observed it in his previous starts. MLB is handling the sticky stuff situation. You know, what do you want to do? And like the Philly fans just crying about it was ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, I get that that's just the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be for a while in the wake of, of the cheating scandal and everything. But come on, like you can just lose a baseball game. Like you really think like. The Astros are just a better team. They were a better team last night. That's all that matters. Like, Framber was just the better pitcher. That's how it works. The Astros lost the game one, and I didn't see a single Astros fan going, oh, Nola was cheating. Oh, this, that, or the other. Like, no, Ramito has a cork bat or something yeah, like, like that. Like, come up, on now. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's I, ridiculous. I, I get it. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, taking my Astros colored glasses off, like, yeah, it, it sucks, like, for the sport that there's, like, this stain and whatever, like, yeah, it, you know, I hate that every winning team now is going to have to deal with these cheating accusations. Like, just come on. It's, it's, or even individual play players, baseball. too. I mean, yeah. we talked about Pujols having a surge of home runs, you know, this whole 22 season. Same thing as Aaron Judge passing, a, passing up a Roger Maris's record. I mean, you can't yeah, even like, look oh, at that. Juice. Their backs, their yeah, backs are, you, you know, like, come on. Exactly. You can't even, you know, see the record. You can't enjoy a record now without making an assumption of something like that. And it yeah, kind of sucks, it, obviously. It, it it really sucks. And really, it's not to go on this tangent, but like it's the media's fault. It's baseball media's fault. It's Buster Olney and Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan. Like they did this. They were the ones who did this. And I still will stand by. I the Astros were scapegoats for a league-wide issue, but oh yeah, come on, grow up, move on, let's go. But anyway, that's that's enough of that. That was just, speaking of moving on. <laughs> yeah, speaking of moving on, 
Uh, but it was good to see the top of the lineup show up, you know. Yes. And in game one, it was the bottom of the lineup that was providing hits. RBI is obviously King Tuck. Uh, but it was the top of the lineup, and they got it going quick. Altuve, double on the first pitch. Pena, double on the first pitch. Alvarez takes one, doubles on the second pitch. Uh, and before you know, it's 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 3 nothing Astros real quick. Yuli gets on on an error, and bada-boom, it's, it's 3 nothing Astros. Uh, Wheeler is... Brandon, he's only thrown like nine pitches in the first inning. Uh, but a three nothing, a three nothing spot in the first is is certainly something to be pretty proud of and, and feel good about. Uh, it was the first World Series game ever that began with three straight extra base hits. So that's impressive. I'll take I'll I'll take that. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll run with that. Oh yeah, I mean it was loud in the juice box whenever Altuve, especially for me. I mean I I'm speaking for every Astro fan. Seeing Altuve get that double. You know, on that first pitch, which we all know he's aggressive. You can't take in the aggressiveness out of a hitter. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, everybody went crazy for him just getting that base hit. And then, obviously, Jeremy Pena comes up, does the same thing, hits it down the line. Jordan Alvarez puts his power into it, takes it to left field, off the Crawford boxes. I mean, it was a great start. That's what we really needed, you know, to pick every fan up because we all know how we were feeling after that first game. You know, we sh- it could have been a 2-0 series, but, you know, we're not going to talk about it because it's already in the past. You got to flip the page. But, um, you know, to come back and for the offense to do that in the beginning of the game, to get that crowd into it, to be behind your back, I mean, it just felt, you know, amazing. So, yeah, from them first three guys, you know, yesterday they were batting three for 18, I think, the top four. Today, six for 15. I mean, have a day. I mean, have a day for, I mean, I mean, there's not even so many words I could say because they did their job. What needs to happen, though, is they need to continue doing this when we go to Philly. Can it yeah. Can it be done? And, yes. And ideally, too, you, you want to get both halves, both halves of the lineup working at the same time. Because as for as good as the as the top of the lineup was, the middle and the bottom of the lineup were pretty much nothing burgers. Tucker 0 for three, Yuli 0 for four, Elevens Diaz 0 for three. Um, that seven hole man, it just continues to be <laughs> a, a a vacuum. I, it, I it's it honestly defies statistics. Like how is it? Is it is it like time to put Chaz up in the seven hole Dude, and try to that's mix honestly it up? A good question. That- it needs That's to be mixed up. Question. Maybe maybe that needs to be mixed up because you're wasting opportunities and Chaz, you know, RBI opportunities with two outs, with Chaz being that A-hole yeah. and that seven-hole having to not even get a single hit this postseason. Why not give it a shot? I understand what we're having right now is great, but it'd be better if, you know, runners on second and third with two outs and you have either Mancini or Ledmus Diaz coming up while Chaz McCormick has been one of the most, you know, consistent hitters throughout this postseason, I was telling you all fair. He's I mean, two eighty. He He's two. Yeah, he he drew a great at bat, got a walk out of it. He had one up the middle. He had another hard one up the middle, but um, they had to shift on him on that time. So, I mean, if I'm Dusty, I would be thinking, you know, maybe Snitker, Centron would start, you know, kind of them three would kind of discuss about it because maybe that could help. You know, that seven hole of Mancini or Diaz, maybe that can help him get in that eight hole and kind of be like, okay, let me regroup. Let me figure out what I'm doing wrong. Let me let me try to help my team out. If 
you know, McCormick is having a hot, you know, day like yesterday. If he was having a hot day yesterday, he needs to be above me. But of course, there's not yeah. a lot. There's not a lot of guys out there that would kind of put themselves out there to their coach. So no, and, that would and be like a good discussion. It's not like McCormick has any protection in the lineup with Maldonado behind him. And I, and I mean, exactly. even the, as bad as the DH seven hole, whatever you want to call it. And I mean, in 19, that, that's been, it's not much better, but I mean, shit. I mean, I, David Hensley's probably more protection than Maldonado is. If we're being completely honest or Diaz, like, you know, you still have to be, con- you have to be, you have to be more concerned with those guys realistically than, than Maldi. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I hadn't even thought about that, about, about putting him up, but that's something worth yeah, thinking I about. Mean, I mean, 19, it used to be Maldonado, Chirinos, and Reddick would be in that eye hole. That was like, yeah. Chirinos was a great a great hitter with, with us. Like, I'm not going to say he was the best, but he was a decent, great hitter. He would put the ball in play, you know, even put some power into it too as well. And then obviously Reddick wasn't, I mean, that was probably one of the worst times I've seen Reddick hit in an Astros uniform was in 19. He wasn't hitting the ball really hard or anything like that. And and that's why he was in the nine hole. It was basically a free out. So yeah. you got to look at, you got to kind of look at that going into the situation right now where we're dealing with seven hole hasn't gotten a hit throughout this whole postseason. We've had one RBI. We have more <laughs> strikeouts than RBIs and walks combined. I mean, it's oh, very it's embarrassing. Bad. You know, it, you got to change it up a little. You know, If we have a hot hitter, you know, and Chaz, that's like you said, he's hitting 280. He has a good OPS number and and a on base percentage. He draws a lot of walks. He works the count. Why not put him in that seven and, hole? Yes, he's, like he's for really example, not, he's really not striking out a lot either. Yes, it's that's what I'm saying. His approaches have been better, dude. Like compared from the regular season to now, in the postseason, he has made great at bats, and that's the thing. Think about for um, Friday's game. In a situation where Guriel was in second and who was that third? I mean, runners on second and third. I'm just going to say second and third, two outs, and you have Diaz at the plate. I would rather have Chaz. You would rather have Chaz McCormick than Aledmus Diaz. And it sounds surprisingly right now how we're saying it in the postseason because the regular season, Diaz was, you know, doing his thing. He was doing his thing without the injuries and everything like that. And you would be shocked for me to say it. Oh, well, I'd rather have Chaz McCormick hit in that situation. If there's a runner yeah. second or third, two outs, and the ball game's on the line, best believe I'm going to take my chance with Chaz. So I don't know. It's maybe kind of a thing that they need to discuss about. You know, obviously that seven hole two, the D, really the DH. I mean, it just needs to be, it needs to be a big conversation. You know, no offense to Mancini or Diaz because they have done their, their job throughout the regular season. But if we want to win, this trophy somebody needs to step up it's either you know even i love dubon and everything like that but i'd rather have hensley over dubon like it's oh yeah no it's like hensley's at bat hensley's at bats that he had got from dusty in this postseason i mean we we've we preached it people, all the times people forget that that jordan walk-off home run and great game one of the alds that doesn't happen without david hensley exactly exactly the hit by pitcher <laughs> Walker or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to see him in there. And I think that and we'll talk about it in the preview, but uh, last time the Astros faced Syndergaard, Diaz had a home run. And I think Dusty's going to keep him in the lineup just because of that. Um, I could be wrong, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him in there. Um, 
Yeah, I think something something's got to give there. And that's what led to the bats are pretty quiet after that first inning until the fifth. Bottom of the fifth, uh, leadoff single from Altuve, who was hot tonight. Pena strikes out. And then Jordan grounds into what should have been a double play, or was originally called a double play uh, after review. He was safe at first. And then Bregman, Breggy bombs, two-run shot to make it 5 nothing Astros. I think everybody, I think everybody was more nervous when it was five nothing than they were when it was three nothing. Honestly, <laughs> a little, little short term PTSD right there. Right, now you already know Fox Sports was already tweeting that in MLB oh, yeah. as well. Oh they, yeah, they were just waiting for that to happen. And and for what's worth, the Phillies they they fought back. You know this this is a team that does not give up. They have no they have a ton of fight in them. Uh, they're not going to lay back and, and roll the, over. The nick, their um, nicknames are the fine fills for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And top of the seventh, Framberg's still in. Uh, Castellanos leads off with a double. And then uh, a ground out gets him to third. Framberg comes out. Montero comes in, gives him a sack fly to Gene Segura to make it 5-1. Uh, top of the eighth, here they come again. Montero comes back out for a second inning. But gives it a walk to Bryson Stott. Schwarber. Oh man! Oh man! Ooh. Schwarber with a mile-long foul ball. It was initially called a home run. It's funny they were showing on the on the TV. They were like showing Astros fans in the stands that were like waving. Like, yeah. no, it was foul. And of course they were. Oh, dude! It and, and it was foul, no, like at the beginning. Beginning, they were just. I mean, Schwarber ran around the whole bases. The blue didn't even say foul ball or nothing. And I was like, what the hell? Did it even hit? Like you could see the foul where I was. You could see the foul pole. And where the ball was going, it did not look like it was on the left side of the foul pole. Obviously, that's the fair side. That shit was on the right side, closer to the club level. So I was like, are you not going to call a foul ball? And sure enough, they didn't say nothing. So I was like, oh, hold up. Wait a minute. And the next thing you know, all the Blues huddled up to see that. So, I mean, thank God they did because that, I mean, that could have been, it could have changed the game too. Oh, 100%. If it was just, I mean... if it was just a little to the left, oh man, there goes that 5 hole PTSD. Yeah, no, I mean that that would, that would have been a two-run shot to make it five-three, uh, and then Schwarber gets back in the box and he almost does it again. He sends one deep My God, to the warning yeah. track. That, and honestly, I thought I I, I thought it was gone. It wasn't <laughs> Me too. until Me too. It wasn't until Tucker like if, if the announcers wouldn't have done it. Like Tucker's like ran to the wall and stopped, and the way he stopped, I was like, oh "It's my so God, funny he gone. catches." It's so funny how he catches like on like on the warning track balls, like yeah. how he tracks it down. And everything he just nonchalant just throws his glove up like if he smalls from um from the sandlot. It's so Dude, funny it, how he catches it, it. He's easy peasy with his freaking eyes closed usually, um, <laughs> but yeah. So obviously uh, Schwarber flies out, then Real Muto. That was a mess. Uh, hits one to Pena. Pena throws yeah. it to nobody, trying to turn the double play. Altuve's literally just sitting there, like you know, ducking nah, that, out of the that way. Would, the that would have been just a force at second. It wouldn't be a double play. Oh yeah, I guess not. But um, but yeah, he just tosses it to to nobody. Lands and lands in the dirt. Everybody's safe. Uh, and then gets gets the fly out from from Harper to end the inning. Um, credit to Dusty for leaving Montero in. Uh, yeah. you know, he was sitting at like 35, 36 pitches. It was his second inning of work, and you have a very dangerous man coming up to the plate in in Bryce Harper. Um, which obviously that's that's plenty to worry about right there. Uh, but he doesn't sweat, he doesn't panic. He get he gets the fly out, uh, ends Harper's night again, 0 for four, snaps his uh postseason hitting streak 
but that was that was it then and, and you know the ability to go just from Framberg to Montero was huge we'll talk in a minute about the bullpens but um that was really a good performance from Montero obviously he allowed that run that was credited to Framber but I mean what are you gonna do guy on third with one out that's hard to that's not an easy situation to get out of he just didn't make it worse um but the Phillies were not done yet they gave us one more scare on the top of the ninth uh Presley comes in strikes out Castellanos and Alec Baum hits a deep uh, double off the wall in left center another fly out from Gene Segura and then Yuli whose defense we've all known and loved so well uh, makes an error, allowing Brandon Marsh to reach on a little on a little dribbler. Alec, Alec Bloom scores, and Stock grounds out to end the game. But it got a little hairy there for a second, and yeah. luckily the luckily the lead was big enough that it wasn't too bad. And a five two win is still a win. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, you wish, like I said, you could have gone two zero, but hey, we're we're just glad this series is tied. That's the biggest thing coming out of this. Um, you know, even looking at it from this game, I mean, they've held Philly down to four. I mean, Framber hold them down to four hits. The bullpen only gave up two. I mean, it's a sick. I mean, these runs really should have not been scored. And Houston's defense had two errors. You know, the one, like you said, about Pena, which is a tough decision. I understand why he would go to Altuve on that part. But if you look at Altuve in that replay, he wasn't even looking for the ball. Exactly. You should have just went to first. He was yeah. out of the way letting him make a play. And even even the way Pena tossed it, it looked like it would have pulled uh, Altuve off the back. Yeah. And then obviously that other error on Yuli, um, you know, hey, we're not the Philadelphia Phillies. We do not make errors. We had won a team platinum glove last year for our fielding, um, you know, credit to our fielding from Rawlings. So we, we got to, you know, clean that up a little. But like you said, I mean, I, I feel like – you you gotta feel good about these two games. I'm you know even though yesterday uh, the other day was a bad taste in our mouth, today I mean yesterday made it just a lot more better. Friday's game wasn't the best. Saturday's game, um, you know you feel a lot better. Bright side, you got five earned runs from both, well four earned runs really from Wheeler and then five earned from Nola. Them are them yeah. top. They're the top two pitchers in their rotation, so getting. Big runs from them, scoring really early on them too as well. That's a positive. Another positive is getting to that bullpen where we've seen so many. We've already saw. I think that's what I was telling you off air. We've seen the whole bullpen. I wanted to say now, after bringing out, um, you know, Bilotti, Brogdon, and Brad Hand. I mean, that's seven relievers we've seen from their bullpen already. Yeah, excluding excluding uh, Ranger Suarez. So. Very positive out of this game, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, obviously they didn't have to use their high leverage guys tonight. We didn't see Serenthine Dominguez. We didn't see Alvarado. Um, didn't see Eflin. But they're they're going to be ready by Monday anyway, more than likely. So it's not the end yeah. of the world. Just getting getting those guys and getting some live ABs against them goes a long way uh, to prepare for those longer games. And same thing with the Astros. Like, you know, like I mentioned, Framber going into the seventh, which is something we said. We said that on – uh, Saturday's podcast that Framber's Framber going deep would be the most important thing here. You know, again, even if he gave up two or three runs, just to preserve the bullpen looks as much as possible. Um, and having to only use Montero and Presley out of the pen was big. Um, obviously in game one, Brian Abreu went an inning in two thirds, so he was probably going to be unavailable last night anyway. Uh, but Hector Neris got warm, did not have to come in. Obviously, didn't have to go to 
uh, you know, Garcia or Akiti or Stanek. So keeping that, keeping that contained is huge, especially as we shift this series to Philly, where in games three and four, the Astros have a pretty substantial advantage uh, starting pitching wise, you know, games one and two, like a split was technically probably the most likely outcome. You had ace versus ace and ace versus ace in both of those games. Going into game three, we have McCullers on the mound versus Syndergaard, who has really not been good this season um, for the Angels or for the Phillies. Like the Phillies have been using him more in a bullpen role uh, over the Mm -hmm. last month than anything. And then, of course, Ranger Suarez, who, again, the Astros got six earned runs off of him in the second to last game of the season. So having that advantage in starting pitching is huge, but that advantage in the bullpen is really going to be important uh, come game three. So real quick, last little note on this. Uh, Altuve had his ninth career postseason three-plus hit game. It was the ninth game of his career with three-plus hits in the postseason. That is awesome. It's a credit to him as a postseason hitter. He is now tied for third all-time for three-plus hit uh, postseason games. So far, he is four for nine in this World Series, coming into this World Series with only three hits in the postseason. <laughs> so, I mean, he's doubled and then some his hit total for the postseason so far in the World Series. That's huge. Hopefully yes. it is it is like continual. Uh, you hope that he can build off that three hit game last night and keep it rolling in Philly against these, you know, relatively weaker pitchers uh, and really capitalize on that because we've said it all year. The Astros go as Altuve goes and, and getting him going, getting him hot. Oof, it, it, that, yeah. that would be huge. That'd be huge. But that is game two. Astros, even the series, headed to the city of brotherly love. Game three, Monday night. It's Halloween night in America. Get the game, get the day off on Sunday for the travel day, uh, the bullpen rest. Let all of us get a rest because we've had two very uh, stressful games so far. Uh, so <laughs> take, a, take a break, watch some football, and hang out before we get this party started up in Philly. It'll be Lance McCullers Jr. on the mound. He is 0-0 in the postseason with a 2.45 ERA. And Noah Syndergaard, 0-0 with a 1.69 ERA in the postseason. Uh, obviously, we know Lance. We've seen this dude. We've seen him in the postseason shine brightly. He's faced Philadelphia this year already in that series at the end of the season. In that game, he went six innings pitched. He did give up six hits, but only one earned run. Uh, one walk, five strikeouts, and that earned run was a solo leadoff shot to Schwarber. Um, so hopefully we can get a recreation. I would take that exact stat line. If I can get six yeah. innings pitched, six hits, one run, one walk, five strikeouts from McCullers, love it. Give me that. Feed Golden. it to me. Yeah. Even and again, same thing with like we said with Framber. If he can go seven, and I know that they're it's gonna be, better. you know, they're not gonna like push him. It's on gonna his pitch, pitch count, count most likely. Um, yeah. They're not gonna push him there, but if he if he can keep his pitch count down and make it seven innings. That would be huge. Like that would, that would pay so many dividends for the Astros. Um, And, you know, Lance is looking for a bounce back game here. Yeah. You know, in, in game three of the ALCS, he went five innings pitched, eight hits, four runs, three of them were earned one walk and six strikeouts, but he was also pitching a little banged up. You know, his start had got pushed back after his, uh, the champagne bottle situation, which we never talked about this. But after that game, there was pictures from the dugout like uh, that somebody <laughs> took of his arm. And his arm, his right arm was so bruised, like right around yeah. his elbow from where he got hit with that champagne bottle. I thought, I thought you were going to. 
I thought you were gonna go with uh, bubble wrap. Everybody, <laughs> I think they bubble wrapped his uh, oh, elbow yeah. when or, that happened. Sorry, game four. I can't say game three, but you know, um, seeing you know, like he was absolutely pitching with some discomfort in that game. Um, and I, I know like he had a blister issue too coming out of the Seattle game. So I think he's yeah. gonna be health. He's gonna be healthy. He's gonna be fired up. Um, he lives for these moments. We've seen it. Uh, again, he's got he's got blood in his veins. Uh, <laughs> he he's gonna he's gonna be ready to go. Blood in for, his veins. <laughs> he's gonna be ready to go for Game Three. I have no doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. and I and I think that lefty heavy lineup for for Philly is gonna struggle with him. Lefties are hitting 165 off of him with the 555 OPS, and nothing would make me happier than him keeping those lefties quiet. Yeah, I mean he's gonna have to deal with. I'm pretty sure you know Rob Thompson didn't put um Bryson Starr, Brandon Marsh in the lineup yesterday. So best believe he's gonna put him. You know, even though it's gonna be uh, Lance McCullers, he's still gonna put him no regardless. So he's gonna see Brandon yeah. Marsh again, which we've seen. Brand he's seen Brandon Marsh for a while since he was with the Angels uh, organization. Bryson Stott, obviously, which I was telling you too, this guy could battle at the plate. He he made a nine pitch at bat to Montero yesterday, but. Um, he's gonna deal with him, but he has a lot of strikeouts as well, so can't look over that. And of course, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, right? Now, you know the you know another stat that we didn't even say, they did not go yard at Minute Park. Nobody Correct. in the Phillies lineup did not go yard, so that was a big positive sign to see. Hopefully, that continues on over there at the bank. Um, you know on Monday's game, but yeah, just keeping them two guys silent, I would say that. I mean, continue to keep Kyle Schwarber not. You know, getting no type of, uh, you know, confidence going because obviously, if he would have had that home run, it would have been like we were talking about. We would have been a different ball game. It would have changed his confidence level. And then Bryce Harper, we're doing pretty well against Bryce, honestly. Two for eight. Yeah. You know, so far in the first two games from him, um, obviously them singles weren't a loud base hit. So I mean, it, it's a very, it's a very positive sign to see that. And well, you and, know, you with Lance's. And- not giving him moments either. I mean, really, I guess in game two, he had that well, chance against Montero. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, I mean, he was coming, he kept coming to the plate with nobody on. He, he, he's let off innings a couple of times. Um, and he's, he's come up with nobody in front of him. And that's huge. Like don't give him yeah. base runners if you can absolutely avoid it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's big. That's your biggest kind of like takeaway for this game is just continue to keep them silent. Really, them one through four hitters would I would love to see them silent. Obviously, it's not gonna you know be a big thing, but you know continue working that curveball, that slider. He's you know developed the slider as well, and of course the sinker. So all them three pitches has really helped him be the best pitcher that he was in the ALDS. Obviously, the ALCS wasn't his best bet, but like you said, he's gonna be coming back with a bounce back uh, attitude. He needs to get a great game. Obviously, he would rather pitch at Minute Park, but he he knows his job. He knows what he needs to do, especially if he wants to bring a World Series title to Houston. Um, looking for a great start for him going into Citizens Bank. Yeah, and, and you know, getting that from him would, would be massive, uh, and taking advantage of the pitching matchup because no, it's Noah Syndergaard on the mound for for the Phillies, uh, and against the Angels, eh, sorry, against the Astros this season when he was playing for the Angels. He did pretty well against the Astros lineup. Uh, back in April, he went five and a third, giving up two hits, no earned runs. And then in July, he went four innings pitch, giving up three hits and three earned runs, including a home run to Elevens Diaz. So, I mean, it's not like the Astros have knocked him around. 
But he did have a 10 and 10 record on the season with a 394 ERA. Um, mm -hmm. He went through a pretty rough stretch in July and August um, where he, he was getting hit pretty hard. Um, and to the point that after the Phillies acquired him, at the end of the season and into the postseason, he's really primarily been used as a um, reliever. Uh, since September 15th, he's only had two starts, uh, one going five and two-thirds in the regular season and then a three-inning start in the NLCS. Um, mm -hmm, yeah. Sorry, NLDS in, game, in the game four of the NLDS, um, which was a bullpen game for, for the Phillies. So, like – yeah, you know, being able to get after him and stretch him out. I mean, the fact that he hasn't yeah. thrown deep in these games, um, if they can put it on him early again, and, and we've seen so far, the Astros have done that. They have gotten on on these pitchers early. The starters have not had a good time against the Astros bats um so far. And they they seem to keep doing that. Um in the postseason, though, in his relief appearances, Syndergaard's been been nails. In game two of the NLDS, he pitched one inning, one walk, one strikeout, no hits, no runs. In the NLCS game four, he pitched an inning and a third, gave up two hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. So, I mean, he he still got that ability to be the, you know, Cy Young candidate that he used to be. But the reality is he's just not really that guy anymore. From August yeah. 28th to September 15th, over the span of four starts, he gave up 15 earned runs to the mighty bats of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Washington Nationals, the San Francisco Giants, and the Miami Marlins. And that was as a Philly. So, I mean, this is still, he is someone that can get tagged for a lot of runs. He can, yeah. the Astros can absolutely do a lot of damage against this guy. Yeah. And especially that we've seen him, you know, twice in the regular season as an yeah. angel. And, you know, you, you, like you said in them stat lines, he went five and a third and four innings. You know, this guy is not going to have the longest leash. Obviously, throughout the postseason right now, I mean, Nola only went four and a third, and Zach Wheeler went five innings with uh, 69 pitches. So if we could get him to go in a stat line like that, being four innings or, you know, five innings, I'm okay with that because then we focus on the bullpen. And I think, like we've talked about, that's really their weakness is the bullpen, which, you know, credit to them, they they did pretty well against us, and they didn't, they've been all right this postseason. But you have to go back to the regular season some way, somehow, you know, some fashion. And I, you just got to take Thor's hammer away from him. You know, obviously this yeah. guy's nickname was Thor back then. He's not the same. Like you said, um, the biggest thing for me, you know, coming into this matchup is going to be trying to make him work, continue making him throw more pitches than usual. I think that's been really our takes for the whole uh, two other starting pitchers, but with Senegar being, you know, the guy that hasn't thrown a start since, well, the NLDS, but he only went three innings. Yeah, but you I mean, know, he a has a real start in a month. Exactly. Yeah. So it's been a while. So continue, continue, you know, making him throw. Obviously, we've pitched him. I know, I'm pretty sure Snitker's going to have a game plan. I think since, between him and Centron, I'm, I'm very positive and, you know, can see these guys continuing to swing their bats. If Altuve, you know, Altuve's four for nine right now. Three for four yesterday, you know, he's going to be getting going. And th this is just a start from him. I think he'll get going in Philly. Obviously, we've been talking about Alvarez, too, kind of needing to get going. Uh, one through four, Pena. I'm not worried about Pena. Pena's look, his at-bats are still okay with me. But, yeah. Um, I mean, Altuve being the one that's going to be 
the right person to set the tone for that game. Obviously, Philly fans have said when you come to Philly, it's going to be a different environment. I don't know how because we've been thrown trash cans <laughs> on the field. We've been thrown other, you know, F. Altuve bombs. We've been thrown the cheaters. We've seen Oscar the Grouch in the stands, um, other posters out there. I mean, we've seen it all. So if Philly wants to say that they're going to throw their best kind of like tactics at trying to get into the Astros heads, it's not going to work. I feel like that's just going to fuel them more and it's going to make them more powerful. So, um, yeah, obviously, like I said, Altuve gets going. This whole lineup gets going on Syndergaard. It's going to be a long night for him. Yeah, and, and I think Syndergaard is the type of pitcher, too, that th- these bats can get going against um, because he's changed a lot of his – he's changed his mix since he's become a Philly. You know, those two starts against the Astros in early April and in middle July, I'd say those are probably two of the worst stretches of Astros baseball this season. You know, I mean, they, they, we stunk to start the season. And then right before the All-Star break, you know, we, we dropped that series to Oakland. Um, we And then, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, a little hot and then get swept by the A's again. So, I mean, this is a different team playing at a different level right now. Um, Syndergaard has obviously dealt with injuries in his career. He is not the, you know, absolutely steaming fastball pitcher he used to be. Um, his primary pitch has become his sinker especially since he, he since he went to Philadelphia that's taken up a larger share of his pitch mix throwing at 93 94 also leans heavy on his slider so it's about 84 85 um against lefties he loves to hit him with the changeup he loves to throw him the sinker and he really avoids he's really re- dramatically reduced his uh fastball usage since he got to Philadelphia um he lost a little bit of velo over the course of the season and obviously quite a bit over the, his career um, yeah, when he, when he was with the angels, he was throwing the fastball 16% of his pitches. It was, it was, you know, it's not his highest level pitch, uh, but compared to now he's only throwing at 5.5%. So he's borderline yeah. eliminated that pitch from his arsenal, uh, because mm-hmm. it gets, it was getting nuked. It was just getting hit hard, hard, hard. Um, so, you know, if they can lay off the breaking stuff and make him throw a fastball here and there, pff, jump on it, you know, get after it. Um, but him being a sinker heavy pitcher, I really like that matchup because if you look at our, our lineup, they hit sinkers well. Um, the only guys who really tend to struggle against them are Yuli and, of course, Pena. Um, but Alvarez can crush that. Bregman can crush that. Um, Altuve can crush that. They've got to be careful with the slider, man. We, we've seen them eat on it sometimes. Yeah. You know, Bregman took a, slide, took a slider to outer space in game two. Um, just – like you said, be patient. Wait for him to make a mistake and and take advantage of it. Yeah, if we're talking about the slider more more than likely it's gonna be Pena. Pena has made yeah. a great adjustment, you know, at the end of the season till even now, you know, carried on to the postseason. Um, I got him again. Being last a little bit more bad. patient and everything <laughs> like that. But yeah, it was a curveball that Zach had thrown on. I was like, oh no. But um, but yeah, I mean that's gonna be the really the key is gonna be being patient. Just make him throw. Obviously, that start that he had in Houston in July, he threw four walks. So, I mean, this could be a positive sign for Diaz, too, because Diaz, I was looking at through, you know, you know, the hitters that faced uh, Senegard this past season. Diaz is the one that hit a home run off of him. He went one for three with a home run, two RBIs, two walks. So that was that's that a was positive sign. That was when he got hot there for a little bit from like mid-July well, to mid-August. He was hot. You never you never know. He could get hot again. 
So uh like that did that, you know, that not a lot of guys him. that ignited yeah. him. Oh, I mean, I'm hoping for this as well. Hopefully, this would ignite him to be that seven hole, you know, with a hit, not with no hits. I'm I'm tired of seeing a zero on that um, you know, on the lineup of the seven. So I mean, we've been preaching all really this whole preview of the world series is we got to be patient just make them make make him throw and he'll make a mistake obviously pitchers do make mistakes just the hitters are gonna just have to capitalize on them Altuve already did that pretty well Pena had done that really well Bragman did that already just gotta be patient just make him work make make him work the count as well if he continues to throw walks that uh, pitch count goes high obviously he's had injuries already in the past dealing with shoulder problems and uh, elbow problems you know, and we don't know how his arm is going to be carrying out throughout the um, throughout each inning. So, like we've said, if you could get to him before, you know, four or five, that's great because then we get to that bullpen. And then no telling what Rob Thompson is going to have to do for game four if that happens. Right. Well, so, and I mean, these next three games are no days off. It, it's Monday. Yeah, Tuesday, they're all Wednesday, back to back to back. Yeah. So, you know, getting to Syndergaard early and forcing them into that bullpen, especially if they have to, if they're throwing out their high leverage guys to really stop the bleeding, that is massive. If you're going yeah. into game four, game five, and we've already seen, you know, if, if, if they have to use them or realistically, if, you know, if, if we hit Syndergaard for four or five runs pretty early, they're not going to put their high leverage guys out there. And, you know, hopefully you can run it up on him and, and, you know, make it a big statement win and be locked and loaded to go for, for game four. And at that point, it's a must win for, for Philadelphia. And they're going to have to throw those high leverage guys earlier than, than they would. So I, I don't know. Point being, I mean, but they, they really, yeah, we've, we've seen their whole bullpen. Like I've said before, in, earlier in the episode, we've already seen Andrew Bellotti. We saw Connor Brogdon. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Zach Eflin. The only one I believe we have not seen has been Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson, we've faced him when he was a Ranger in uh, last year. So there's, I'm pretty sure they have some type of film on him. Um, you know, if they have to use him, I think we haven't seen Nick Nelson as well. David Robertson, David Robertson has his times from the New York Yankee days. Of course, he's always said about, he will never forget about 2017 and all this BS, which it's a bunch of BS because how you're going to score so many runs at Yankee stadium. But when you go away from Yankee stadium, you only score. I think the total was three. So I I still don't believe that BS Jose Alvarado, Brad hand and Ranger Suarez. So we've seen a great decent amount of pitchers coming out of their bullpen with us. They've yet to see Hunter Brown. They've yet to see Will Smith. They've yet to see Jose Urquidy. They only threw an inning of Hector Neris, but of course Neris have came from Philly. And um, yeah, and two thirds of, you know, two batters for Ryan Stanek. So you got to feel, you got to feel very, you got to feel like the heavy favorites for game three. But of course it is October baseball. You're never going to know what's going to happen. Like game one, for instance, we didn't know that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, keys to this series is just stay hot one through four. One through four went six for 15 uh, yesterday's game. Continue to stay hot. Find a way to get on. Now, Tuve looks like he's getting back into the groove of things. Pena, we need to see that ALCS MVP that he was over there at Yankee Stadium. Jordan, bring back the ALDS guy, please. 
If you're yeah. somewhere, please get back. Get on that plane. Specifically, game one and game two. Yes, get on Not the so plane much game to three, Philly. LDS, yeah, exactly. Um, and we we so, need him. Else, we need him. Something else to keep an eye on. There is a chance of rain Monday night oh in Philadelphia. Gosh. Not too bad. I'm looking at it right now. About 13% at 6 o'clock, 13% at 7 o'clock, uh, and then going up increasingly throughout the night up to 44% um, at 11 p.m. But the good thing is it looks like a light rain at the most. Um, and then the same thing going into Tuesday during the day, but it hopefully is not super impactful. It'll be a little chillier up there uh, and not a ton of wind. It does not look like. So hopefully we get some good conditions to play some good baseball. Uh, but just kind of keep that in, in the back of your mind. But that is our game three preview. The World Series moves to Philly. Enjoy the off day. Enjoy the travel day. Be ready. Halloween night. Let's go make it spooky as hell for the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's go have them staring down the barrel of a 2-1 series deficit. Yes, very crucial we get that win. After that, if we get the win... It's looking promising for us, but one game at a time, and we just got to focus on game three. Hopefully, McCullers has a great game, great bounce-back game, really. Absolutely, but we'll see you guys on Tuesday morning uh, with that game three recap and a look ahead at what to expect for game four. As always, thanks, guys, and go Strohs. See you guys.